It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And here we go, nighttime at noon. He's Darren Elliott. I'm Brian McCormick. Dakota Miller spinning the ones and twos, and George Lopez on the other side of the glass as we get you set for game five, kind of the uh, kicking off your day-long pregame ritual to get ready for game five tonight at Ball Arena in Colorado. And, uh, Darren, I was in this chair on Thursday getting ready for game three. What a dramatically different series this feels like today compared to just five days ago. Very much so because the team was able to get the results required. Uh, I thought game two, um, they didn't get the win that they wanted, but they got certainly played the way they expected to of themselves. And I, I've called them. They're very self-aware yeah. as a team, as a group. Um, they, they know what they have to do to be successful. And, man, oh, man, they sure, <laughs> they sure found their game in game three and game four. You know, Darren, what's so interesting is if you were just keeping a, a surfacey watch on this series, you might say, okay, Colorado won the first two at home, Vegas won their <laughs> two at home. The, you know, the series doesn't really start till the home team loses, that kind of a, a thought process. But this really does go back to the second period of game two. You've had pretty much eight dominant periods from the Vegas Golden Knights and a win in game two that perhaps they should have had. So if you're, you're Vegas going to game five, you got to feel good about the, the way your game is trending. And if you're a fan, you have to be pretty proud of your team that you didn't get the results you wanted uh, in game two. Could have been heartbreaking, right? But it wasn't. Uh, you didn't score the first goal uh, yeah. coming home. And, you know, you, you still stayed with it. You didn't score the first goal in game four, and it didn't seem to matter. So the team's in a good place. You, you would expect a, a bigger pushback from the Avs. I thought I, we'd see it in game four. When they scored early like that, I said, oh, boy, here we go. This is going to mm -hmm. be – it's like it didn't even matter on either side of the <laughs> equation, which was really surprising. And thankfully, it was a fun game to be at, that's for sure. And what an anomaly the Brandon Saad goal ended up being because, like you said, you're waiting for, okay, Colorado, they got called out by Jared Bednar after game three. There's going to be a bit of a wake-up moment. You assume that that was it. And then two and a half periods later, they have 16 shots, and it it was an anomaly. We're, we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the uh, weekend performance at the Fortress. We're going to talk a little bit about Nazem Kadri, who will remain unavailable for the Colorado Avalanche, the impact that will have on their lineup. We'll also talk about uh, the, the playoff landscape as a whole. Lots of great series around the NHL and hear from Pete DeBoer as well. And, and Darren, I'd like to start. Uh, we're going to hear from Pete DeBoer, who had a great, a few great comments earlier today, but Kicking it off, I think uh, a comment that basically boils down to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's what Pete DeBoer had to say. I, I don't profess to be smart enough to. Uh, I, I think I think one is over coaching. You know the the scenario where you're trying to to think uh, two moves ahead about what the other team is doing. Um, you know I, I'm actually it's funny you say that, but I was reading uh, Bill Cowher's book. Uh, about uh, his time coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if they ran a running play uh, and got 10 yards, uh, he never understood why a, an offense, his offensive coordinator wouldn't keep running that play until they made them, they stopped it. Um, and drove them nuts if, if the guy only ran it one or two more times a game, you know, run it till they, they, they stop it. I think that's our philosophy. And that was Pete DeBoer. And, and Darren, it, it's funny, you know, coaches watch each other. They oh, learn yeah. from each other. And while the X's and O's may be different, 
personalities, human nature can be the same amongst athletes, and also sometimes just common sense. And that's kind of what Pete DeBoer is speaking to right there. He is. They made some adjustments. They knew how they know how to play this team. They played eight times in the regular season. So both teams, there's no secrets. Um, did they get a little uh, a little gummier in the neutral zone? Yeah, they, yeah. they, they got a little more compressed. Uh, meaning that the D's stood up, but that was because you know the team got the back pressure, is getting the back pressure they need, but they a added it like a swing uh, in the neutral zone. They've added a swing guy to angle and angle him right to the D, and it's worked perfectly. That's why McCarr can't get through. That's why yeah. McKinnon hasn't been able to get through. So when he says you don't fit, well, you're not going to change the adjustments you made because we saw game one. They didn't have their legs. The abs were just ready to go, hadn't played in so long. There was no neutral zone. Right. <laughs> right. So so that that wasn't really a fair assessment, but it led to adjustments. Hey, we have to do this, this, and this if we're going to slow them down and then be able to counterattack on them. So, yeah, why would you change those adjustments? It's up to the abs to, to find a way. Does that mean chip it, go after it? They don't want to do that, but if you force them, that, that is an adjustment. Darren, it's, it's so interesting you bring that up. So this was my – this past week in games three and four, yeah. I was able to go. It was my first time at the Fortress, so – Did you have fun or what? Oh, did it live up to two it? Two and oh. It was a party and a half, so lucky me. But I was sitting right underneath the uh, the, 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 the castle where they do the – where the siren mm -hmm. is. That's where I was sitting. So I had a, a vertical view of the ice, and I had Nathan McKinnon skating at me two periods each night. And – Yes, the neutral zone is, is clogged up, but what's so fascinating is there's two things. First of all, game one, when Nathan McKinnon can swing at the red line, pick it up, and get his wheels going, you're in trouble. Right. When he does it at the tops of the circles in his own zone, yeah, there's a lot more road to hoe, but there's a lot more obstacles as well. And and it just it appears to me, what do I know? But it appears to me you don't expect that Gabriel Landeskog is going to hurt you 200 feet. He's going to hurt you in zone. He's going to hurt you if he sets right. up as a net front presence. You're not worried about him carrying it in. Miko Rantanen can, but they're not really worried about him carrying it in either. He's more of an in-zone setup at the right sure. circle. You're worried about Nathan McKinnon carrying and Kale McCarr That's carrying. It. And they, like a like a cornerback bumping a wide receiver at the line of scrimmage, they are bumping them in the neutral zone. The wheels never get going entire, you know, full speed. Right. And and to bring in a silly comparison, but Darren, well, you and I haven't worked together too much. You're here's, on a roll. Here here's a silly comparison. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid once, this is to speak to human nature. I had a baseball game. I had four hits in the gap. I got thrown out at second base four times. The first time, I got thrown out on a great throw. The fourth time, it was a single up the middle, and I had no business. But I said, darn it, I'm getting my double. I got thrown out four times. The reason I say that is there's nowhere for Nathan McKinnon no. to go. And he's carrying up the middle where there's no chance for him to penetrate. And part of it is it's what he does best, and you want to beat him with your best. But I think part of it, too, is just the frustration that he's not able to do it his way. We saw some of that frustration. That, that's kind of been his M.O. Um, he was frustrated for two years after his rookie mm. rookie season. I mean, he so he has that, that kind of penchant uh, to, to, to get down on himself or get frustrated uh, to distraction. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Because typically, a guy like that, well, there's two things, right, that come to mind. Great story, by the way, getting thrown out at second base four times. But haven't it, brought it up since. Here it is. <laughs> Had to come out. <laughs> the, the, the thing about coming through the neutral zone, why wouldn't he just chip it? He's got two guys that are puck yeah. possession guys. Doesn't want to. There's the frustration. Can Because he's got this. He could chip it to himself. Yeah. You know. He's going to win that foot race often enough. That's a great point. You know, exactly. And, and Kale McCarr, by the end, uh, he looked like – a guy that had been eh, bumped and bruised a little mm -hmm. bit. He was not quite as uh, 
game to, yeah. to come to that neutral zone, if you will. He, wa- he wasn't uh, he wasn't really going all out because they've taken a chunk of him every time they can. And also, in part, neutralizing that too is to me. It seems in parts, Colorado at five on five looks like they're waiting for the power play that won't come. <laughs> well, it's a playoff, so that's always like, it's very important if you can be successful in special teams all season long. But in the playoffs, it's at a premium because, quite frankly. Power plays are at a premium. Yeah. They, they go down by at least 20% in the playoffs. You don't get as many looks because of refereeing, the standard, all those kinds of things kind of change. We'll get into that later <laughs> in the show in our Bruce Cassidy conversation. That's going to yes. come up again. But, you know, talking about Kale McCarr, who, as Darren, you just said, they take a chunk out of him, and he's, he's paying a pound of flesh every time he tries to carry it up the middle. Well, Pete DeBoer earlier today talked about slowing down some of those elite puck-carrying defensemen on the Colorado side. Really hard. Um, you know, you've, got, you've obviously got one eye on their – on their, their their key offensive guys up front and then you know you've, you've got you add in those names on the back end that, that's what makes them so dangerous and uh and such a handful to try and control so um you know big big job for us uh, i think when we've been detailed and and uh, our execution's been good um we've managed to do that and so that that's going to be the key tonight and that was Pete DeBoer. And, and you mentioned the, the, the dump and chase aspect that Colorado doesn't seem to want to go to, Darren, especially a team that's that's not getting shots. Vegas's breakout has been clean. Oh. It's been efficient. It's been quick. These Colorado defensemen have had the puck rammed down their throats for two games. And I think part of that, too, is for Colorado, they're spending so much work in the neutral zone trying to get in and they can't. All their dump-ins are changes. Exactly. And that's what, what you want if you're the Vegas Golden Knights. So going back to another cliche, which is true, though, you can move the puck faster than anybody can skate, even mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon, even Kale McCarr. The way so Vegas, you, you think of Mark Stone, you think of certain guys. They're not fast, right? They're not fast skaters. Vegas plays fast yeah. because they move the puck. Their support, five foot passes, six foot passes, and then a stretch pass, and suddenly it's a two on one. There. That's been Max Pacioretty's weekend. <laughs> exactly, but that's everybody in the right place. The, the spacing is correct. The movement is in sync. And it's a pass from McNabb behind the net, six feet to the bottom of the faceoff circle right beside your net, and boom, up yeah. the middle to somebody who's already there between the two defenders time and time again. That is precision hockey. They've played great. And then you have the other team, a couple of fast skaters. It stands out. Now they're not really playing so fast. You just have a couple of fast guys. And, and you know what? That, that, that highlights the, the Pacioretty-Stone combination yeah. perfectly and then when you get beyond that to your again we, we talk about the top lines all the time but there's three other lines on each yeah. side that have to have an impact vegas has been winning the battles they have been outworking the colorado avalanche and, and the For riley sure. smith line probably is the best example of that and, and again that's the matchup thing right that that they'll they might see a lot of the mckinnon line tonight yeah because you have to think that you know patch and stone and stevenson probably didn't get enough credit for what they did against that top line, that McKinnon line in game three and game four. So if you're looking for a matchup change, Jared Bednar, coach of the Avs, well, now my top line will go against that second line. The beauty of that is that's a, they're a good defensive line. Carlson mm-hmm. and, and Riley Smith and, and Marcia. So that frees up then the other matchup. Now the Stevenson line becomes your scoring line. 
if that's what happens tonight. And I expect to see some of that. They have two good lines, is what I'm saying, that can match up yeah. either way with the McKinnon line. And I'll t and we're going to hear in our, our next segment, we'll hear about this too, but you look at the, the buttons that, that Pete DeBoer has had to push to find answers within the lineup yeah. with injuries, and, and Ryan Reeves was unavailable for a little bit. Patrick Brown has been very good. Yes, he has. I thought in Game 3 when he when he was called upon, I thought Dylan Secura did the job very yep. nicely. Uh, and in Game 3 also, Nick Holden thrown in in the situation he's been after the, the strange year he's had is contributing offensively, and he very well could go back in tonight. So not only does, does Pete DeBoer have flexibility and is making the right calls in utilizing that flexibility, um, but I, there's got to be a trust example in there, a, a trust uh, feeling in there as well that that he can put in anybody in any given situation. Veteran team. Uh, new franchise, only four years old, <laughs> but, but a veteran team nonetheless. So these guys know uh, what, what they're all about, and it's a good room. It's run by the players as a veteran team should be, um, and this one is. Uh, Pete trusts them. They trust Pete, and it shows on the ice. Well, we're going to hear more about that depth on the other side of the break. First, though, Rock Creek Cattle Company is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This 28,000-acre cattle ranch has something for everyone, a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Visit rockcreekcattlecompany.com. That's rockcreekcattlecompany.com for more information. He's Darren Elliott. I'm Brian McCormick. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll talk about, about tonight's keys and also more about the VGK depth heading into game five of this second round series against the Colorado Avalanche. Back in just a moment, we're here on Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Hey, Golden Knights fans, VGK Authentics is the official home for all game-used Vegas Golden Knights merchandise, from game-used pucks to game-worn jerseys and much more. Owning a piece of your favorite Golden Knights player has never been so easy. Check out all the great items on VGK Authentics by visiting VegasTeamStore.com. That's VegasTeamStore.com. Along with Darren Elliott, I'm Brian McCormick here nighttime at noon. If you want to ask a question for the program, use the hashtag nighttime at noon on Twitter. Uh, Dakota Miller is uh, furiously scrolling his phone <laughs> looking for fascinating inquiries. We'd be happy to tackle those for you. Before we move on to uh, the VGK depth, which we want to talk about, I will ask you, Darren, one thing that we, we didn't get to yet, which was that the decision was handed down. Nazem Kadri's suspension will remain, so he will not be available until Game 7 uh, if necessary. We talk about the Colorado Avalanche and Jared Bednar. He's looking for answers right now, and Nazem Kadri won't be a factor for him, at least not now. No, and uh, if there's a Game 7, uh, he'll be part of it, which um, think of Max Pacioretty being out, and then when he came into the lineup, what a mm -hmm. difference it made. Not from a stylistic or, or sty you know, playing style point of view, but your top six gets slotted. Everybody else now falls into their proper positioning down roster when you're able to add Kadri back. So... Uh, hopefully it's not an issue. Uh, <laughs> you guys know what that means. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Max Pacioretty came in. It solidified our lineup. Yeah. Um, put, put everybody in their proper uh, proper slotting. Not to mention for Max Pacioretty, just a guy who answers for big games we now. We, well, we knew it already, but, boy, are we seeing oh. it now. Just throw him in there and, like, okay, he's, he's got to work his way back into game shape, you would presume. Let's see what he does. Well, he just... He's in the right place at the right time. And game four's goal, I think, showed a little bit more of yeah. he's, he's firing on all cylinders now. But, again, that's the biggest change I've seen this season. Well, since Mark Stone, they've been good for each other. Yeah. 
he can score inside and out. He's one of the few guys that can score from with a wrist shot from distance, and he did that in game four. But he gets inside and goes to the net way more than he ever did when he was with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Now, Darren, I want to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious, if you're NHLer as you are, uh, put your Jared Bednar cap on now because he called out his best players after game three. I don't want to say he put them on blast, but he yeah. definitely acknowledged them after game three. It definitely didn't work in game four, so where do you go to now if you're if you're Jared Bednar? Well, after game four, he mentioned them and referenced them again. Yeah. It didn't have the vitriol. Yeah. Uh, softer. It, it was softer, but he still mentioned them. I, I find that, again, it's all in the delivery no matter what we do. We, we're talking for a living, and it's like, okay, you can say, you know what, uh, everybody knows. There's a way to put it. Like, my, my best guys can't be – you know, satisfied with the way that they're matching up right now. There's lots of ways to put the challenge out there with the hard and fast. Directly aligning them against the guys across the right, way. Right. It was like, <laughs> yeah, the only guy worth uh, worth his salt in this game was the goaltender. Yeah. Like, and, and just look at their good guys. They're, they're top guys in ours. And you can see, I'm like, what? That was real. I, I thought he... he it's, it's, it was a little bit desperate because yeah. you were still leading the series. <laughs> strange like, strange to pull that club out of your bag when you're on the front nine, I thought. Uh, yeah. Very early to play that card, I thought. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know that you ever have to play that card. Yeah. Like there's other cards, like we're going to talk about Cassie. There's the referees. There's the, the – if, if you want to get a message out there <laughs> overall. But to your top guys publicly, <laughs> like, why don't you just go in the room and say, hey, guys, how do you feel? They're kind of bringing it to you. First first you find a boogeyman, <laughs> then you go directly. Where right. <laughs> Interesting. It well, was. Well, Pete DeBoer's not having those issues right now, and it's because his top guys are playing like his top guys, but the depth has been there as well. And we talked about that in our last segment. Now we're going to hear from Pete DeBoer himself. As earlier today, he talked about the contributions of Patrick Brown and the overall depth he's been getting from his squad. Playoffs is depth, is about depth. And, um, and we've known that, you know, we played obviously without Nosek and Yanmark uh, here pretty much the entire series. So, you know, you're, you're taking out, you know, Pacioretty last round, you're, you know, is a one round you're missing a, you know, a top uh, line forward and, and Tuck has to go in there and, and, uh, and get that job done for us in the first round, this round, it's been more about depth guys out of the lineup with no second yan mark. So, you know, Brownie, he's called on and he's come in and done a great job. So, you know, you, you need, you need that if you're going to have any type of success this time of year, because uh, it's a war of attrition. You know, it's funny. He mentions Yan Mark, who I believe might've skated this morning as he tries to work his way back, but he's been unavailable. Uh, you you think Braden McNabb just came back in, in game four, um, it's or it was a game three, pardon me. But it, it's interesting to note you accept at face value. Oh, they've been banged up and they've been finding answers. Maybe even more a little more so than we realize they've been banged up and finding answers. And again, Thomas Nosek, another regular who's been unavailable. Yeah, and in the playoffs, you get to dress your full complement. No salary cap. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> impingement that happened throughout the course of the year at, at, at different times. Um, but Patrick Brown, I mean, there's a guy, why he's valuable. You saw him uh, with, with the Henderson Silver Knights yep. up close and personal. But he's a veteran guy. So he's comfortable in his own hockey skin. He, he can bring the same game at the AHL level as the NHL level. Mm-hmm. He gives the, it looks the same. Yeah, he might score a few more points in the AHL, but, but it looks the same. So that they know what to the coaches up here then know what to expect and what you're going to deliver. And we know what I mean by that. You, you, sometimes you go like uh, a kid like Cody Glass. It's like, well, you, you, know, you come up here, are you a fourth-line player? You go down there, are you a power play? 
that's not it. Patrick Brown is like, that's how he plays. Doesn't matter what yeah. league he's in. That's important. And, you know, the, interesting you, you mentioned it because I've thought about this before. If you have a guy who's a 30-goal scorer at the AHL level or in juniors or college, wherever. Well, wherever is a, an example. Yes, where, wherever he flexed his offensive muscle, you bring him up to the NHL level, maybe that's not what you need him there for. He's in a different role. But for him to ultimately have a full-time job at the NHL, that's probably what you want him to be, and he's going to need to gain confidence, and he's going to need opportunity. A lot of things are going to have right. to happen to develop. If you have a player who is, and Patrick Brown can score at the AHL yes. level, but he's a, a hard-nosed, hard-working, grinded-out, make-you-miserable kind of player at the AHL level, you probably don't have to teach that at the NHL level. You need to teach an AHL scorer to become an NHL scorer. You don't need to teach a hard worker to stay a hard worker. That's right, and playoffs, no time to go to school. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's why a guy like Patrick Brown has come in, been effective, and is so valuable to an organization. And for the uh, for the likes of Patrick Brown too, and again, just one example. But you said I, I saw him in, in Henderson. Of course, yeah. I did. One of the things that was so interesting this year, and I wonder how useful it might have been, is that even before the injury he had, which put him on the shelf for a little bit, you know, he was gonna play with the Silver Knights. Then he would go to the taxi squad for the majority of the week in practice, and then the morning of it would be like, hey, you're in Henderson today, and you drive across town, you jump in a game. He was very, very adept at just jumping into a situation, doing his job, and then hopping back out again. And there's got to be something – I don't know if that's a, something that can double as teaching or training. There's got to be utility in a player just knowing how to roll with the punches in, in that kind of fashion. Hey, this is what we need from you today. Go do it. That's experience. Um, again, someone who's comfortable in their hockey skin. Um, know what they can bring and just, hey, every everything you do, every time you hit the eights, it's an opportunity. Yeah. And uh, a guy like Patrick Brown, he, he understands that. Well, the game plan has been working for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And, again, as Pete DeBoer was talking about, essentially if it's not broken, don't fix it. Alex Petrangelo spoke a little bit on that same topic earlier today. Well, we talked about some things that I think we can still do better, but they're going to make adjustments, obviously, um, you know, we played well the last two games, so we're going to have to make adjustments to their adjustments. It's just the way the games go. It's always in-game. I mean, you're going to obviously pre-scout the best you can to what you think they're going to do, but in-game, they're going to make adjustments, and so are we, whether it's five and five or special teams, and um, coaches will make those changes mid-game, and that's uh, that's for us to uh, to adapt to that. And for Alex Petrangelo, who, who was very, very good in games three and four, you wonder, is that part of the, the savvy that the Vegas Golden Knights have in this series as well? You have Alex Petrangelo, you have Shea Theodore, you have Alec Martinez. Uh, not that Shea Theodore has the veteran savvy of the, the other right. two, but but he's been around a bit now. Versus Kale McCarr, who is still young. How many accolades we heap on him? He's still young, and it's a Colorado team in general that still needs to prove that they know how to win in the playoffs. Uh, Devon Taves is Taves, probably the guy. And, and there's Gerard. reason. And even Taves, you know, not not old. He's playing 30 minutes a night, though, and it's because games three and four have dictated that they need his style 30 minutes a night. It seems that the Vegas Golden Knight defense is doing a better job of dictating the game than Colorado is across the way. Absolutely. I mean, I ha we haven't seen, again, it, it's quick ups, right? Yeah. We haven't seen Petrangelo hangs on to the puck um, better than most. Yeah. And, you could, you know, captain of a Stanley Cup uh, winning team a couple of years ago, it shows. Um, and then you've got uh, Alec Martinez scored the game-winning goal, a, a cl cup-clinching goal um, with the Kings. So there, there's obviously experience there. They don't really – it's that first pass. It's six feet. It's eight feet. It's the right play. They're making the right plays, which, again, accelerates the pace of play 
for, for the Golden Knights. It all starts with the defenseman, but it's not just those guys. They're setting the, they're setting the tone. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought McNabb did it, it, it exceptionally well. Um, and White Cloud. I mean, it, it, if I had to name the, the four guys who were really moving the puck um, the way you wanted to earlier in the series, you know. And um, for me, it does begin with the defense. It's not lugging it necessarily like you think of with the abs. It's get, getting to the puck quick, what's the first play, and everything goes from there. Yeah. And uh, I correct myself from before, Braden McNabb came in in game yeah. four because game three was Nick Holden. See, it's That's like I, I sat in the same chair for uh, six straight periods. You're mesmerized. It's, it's like one long matinee movie. Uh, so, you know, as, as we look for keys to game five then, we've had two people speak to, if it's, you know, rinse and repeat. To what extent is it rinse and repeat? Or, or Darren, do you think there is an area where there can be a little bit of uh, injection perhaps of more? Well, I think you're going to – you heard Petrangelo – the coach won't acknowledge that he's thinking ahead. Yeah. Of course he is. That's what coaches do. <laughs> um, but Trangelo is saying that, you know, there'll be in-game adjustments because it'll be – we have to wait to see what is Bednar going to do. Is he going to go top line versus top line? Then it's just rinse, repeat. Right. See, see what they've done. But if they try to tinker with the line matching um, and, and trying to get McKinnon's line out there, I don't think Pete DeBoer is going to worry too much whether it's Carlson – or Stevenson's line, it'll be which defense pairing do you want out right. there against them? And that's easier to match up against. Other than that, it's it's pretty much you know expect them to be better. Yeah. Um, the abs. So that so if you're the Golden Knights, like, okay, that whole gets get through that first ten minutes, that whole kind of stuff. That that's what you're looking at, and get to your game as quickly as you can for as long as you possibly can. And what makes that easier too is if you can keep Colorado off the power play. And as oh. you said in the playoffs, power plays are harder to come by, but it certainly drives the engine for the Colorado Avalanche to have their, their power play spur them on. And if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, if it's not broken, don't fix it. It's hard to take penalties when you have the puck. Yeah. And they've had the puck for the majority of the last eight periods. Yeah. And that's, that, I mean, we've seen this team. They had 40 wins. Uh, that's how the Golden Knights play when they're effective. They have the puck for long stretches. And uh, if they have the puck, like you said, you, you don't take penalty, make the other team chase. Um, and yeah, most most teams they're, they're they want their cookies on the power play. The, the top guys they feed off that. Even if they don't score, if they get that kind of offensive impetus where they're starting to move the puck around, and starting to feel it a little bit, it can carry over to five on five play. So you got to stare at the box certainly. Well, Game 5 is on the way tonight, and there's plenty of action around the rest of the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll touch on that when we come back, including some discipline handed out in Boston, but it was done during the press conference after Game 5 at TD Garden. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Nighttime at Noon. Brian McCormick, Darren Elliott here with you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I'm Brian McCormick. He's Darren Elliott. This is nighttime at noon, taking you to the top of the hour and the Doug Gottlieb show and getting you ready for game five tonight between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. You can help steer the conversation by tagging nighttime at noon, hashtag nighttime at noon on Twitter. Dakota Miller is keeping an eye on the uh, on the wire to let us know what you want to hear. Uh, right now we're going to talk a bit about the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, broadly. And yesterday, two games. First of all, the Montreal Canadiens complete their sweep of the Winnipeg Jets, and the Islanders win their game five to take a 3-2 series lead back to Nassau Coliseum. Darren, we'll start. let's start there. 
um, and start with some of the post-game commentary from head coach Bruce Cassidy, which was addressed earlier today by the National Hockey League. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, in his post-game comments, un- unhappy with the officiating, uh, but but more so, I thought, directing the comments more towards the Islanders than the refs. By Steve said the uh, New York Islanders are being treated more like the New York Saints. Uh, <laughs> the NHL decided that that comment was worth a $25,000 fine. Well, I think he, he then brought it back to the reason why. He's like, we'll play the same way. <laughs> if they're the Saints, they're getting non-calls, and we're getting called for the same kinds of plays. So it spoke directly to it. It was a... I thought kind of a humorous way to put it. Right. <laughs> to which to which Barry Trotz circled back and said, you know, we were the least penalized team during the season, so this is what we are, which he backs it up with data, and I appreciate yeah. that. That's good debate work by uh, Barry Trotz. But, y- you know, it's, it's twofold. You can be unhappy with the officiating if you're Bruce Cassidy. Right. You also can't give up three goals on three power plays to the Islanders. That's that's in your control. You know, I don't care if you don't get strike three called if it's just a hair off the outside corner. If the next two pitches go in the dirt, that's on you. And the Bruins did not take care of their business. Once you can complain. If you give up three, it's yeah. kind of on you. Yeah, you've got some adjustments to make um, on your on your PK for yeah. sure. And again, all the all the Islanders, I mean, really did was get closer to the net. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's one of the things they said they were too spread out. Um, they were going shot from distance, jam the net, and it was like, you know what? No, let's press the net and go from there. So, and it worked. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's it's playoff time. Bruce Cassidy's hoping that it levels the playing field or that his team gets a couple of calls next time. Um, that that's all he was trying to do. But yeah. twenty five thousand dollar reach, right? <laughs> and you know, I said this in commercial. Oh, the, yeah, the NHL is trying to to keep. Uh, dissent low, I suppose, to some extent. They don't want to have these conversations through the press. Uh, but you, you wonder if the the New York Rangers statement that earned them a fine earlier this year, did that cost Bruce Cassidy $25,000? Because it feels like there's a heightened defense system that Bruce Cassidy is going to pay the check for. And at the same time, we just said in our first segment, we were talking about Jared Bednar. Well, before you go to your players, there's other tactics you can right. use. Bruce Cassidy tried to do just that. Exactly. It cost him some money. Cost him some money. He probably doesn't care if, if the message is delivered and he gets a, a critical power play or, or a, something is not called on his team that had been called earlier uh, by his estimation. But I, I, I do think that the referees are under greater scrutiny. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in the break. It's more stark than it's ever been. It's always been more, more physical in the playoffs. But it's more about skating and defending with your feet. You don't, you don't take a guy into the boards and stick and pin anymore. You, you get moving. Mm-hmm. So the regular season looks it always looked different than the playoffs. It looks vastly different, and I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing such an uproar this year about the the officiating. Right. If you're a coach, you say my guy usually flies through the neutral zone, and now he's not. What's the difference? Like, well, the difference is we're going to let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does because, you know, the guys are not as dug in um, and you're playing the same team. So the, the tendencies are right there in front of you. Um, you had a lot of that this year because of all the uh, the excessive matchup play yeah. within your division. So there are no secrets this year in the playoffs. And Matt Barzell's having himself a series. I thought it was interesting. Finally. I wonder if you saw this or maybe I'm making it up. But Matt Barzell scores the power play goal from the right dot, snipe up over the shoulder. The Everly goal is on a pass from Matt Barzell where he basically does yeah. the exact same thing, swings to the dot. This time everyone collapses, and that seam is wide open. He's playing with his head. Yeah, so the goaltender is reading it. Yep. Everybody else would. We, we saw, like you said, once that pass went across, he said, 
defenseman, Bruins defenseman, falling down trying yeah. to. Yeah. It was like, what just happened? Uh, and Between him and Everly is the Red Sea. It's yeah. <laughs> it, it, suddenly, you you can see what you you know. To your point, uh, right? Is, is that the penalty killing of the Boston Bruins was not sharp? Yeah. So. And the other uh, game we saw last night, the overtime winner by Tyler Toffoli gives a four-game sweep for the Montreal Canadiens, who are headed to, we'll call it the conference final for the right. sake of what we're familiar with calling it. Semifinal. Uh, <laughs> fascinating for a Winnipeg Jets team that swept the Edmonton Oilers and need a lot of overtime on their side to do right. that. But they get the sweep, and then they're the victims of the sweep, and you're probably wondering in Winnipeg, like, all right, well, how do we address this in the summer? Meanwhile, uh, Montreal's moving on. Good for Montreal. Um, they played really well. Yeah. Carey uh, Price, a big part of it, but didn't even seem to necessarily have to be rock solid last last night. Uh, Winnipeg's, a, uh, they've like we talk about the leadership and and the quality of leadership on certain teams, um, Vegas included. You, you just don't see that in Winnipeg. Um, Shifley was out, um, but again, the leaders on that team have have don't have sterling reputations in terms of facing adversity yeah. um, if, if, if nicest way I can put it guys <laughs> and and uh, but but again and it showed it was like yeah okay oh poor pitiful me and, and I feel bad for Paul Maurice um, and that really does show you a coach can do so much prepare you so much the room especially at that point with Winnipeg that's not a vet that's a veteran team too yeah it the room has to be led by the guys in the room and Winnipeg just hasn't come up with the right mix there. I saw someone say on Twitter, I forget who it was, sorry, can't give proper attribution, but if you said it and you're listening, you know it. <laughs> but he said, you know, at some point, if Winnipeg wants to win, Connor Hellebuck's really going to have to jump up in the rush here in overtime. <laughs> you shouldn't say that about a team that has Blake Wheeler. And, and you know, Kyle Connor. Oh, they, yeah. After Shifley was Wheeler's gone, it was in retrospect, it was over Lowry, after that. It was, and and they acted like it. Yeah. And, you know, good good for Montreal. You can't, don't want to – Take away from what they did. They, they're playing some. They're playing really smart hockey. And a team that has evolved in the playoffs. First round was a lot of Carey Price, and for yep. good reason. Second round, Cole Caulfield was fantastic. And this is his first postseason play. He's barely been in the league more than a month after leaving the University of Wisconsin. Cole Caulfield was unbelievable. And yes, Barry Kokaniemi, both of those players who weren't in the lineup at the start of the first round were significant in round two. Not challenged very much either physically. Yep. Talking about physical play. <laughs> yeah. and, and Winnipeg's a bigger team. Um, so, you know, but they, they took advantage of that open ice and, and made some really substantial offensive plays. Uh, Caulfield on, on the game winner. He just picked the puck out of a pile. Nobody really challenged him. He yeah. zips a beautiful pass to Foley, who's been scoring for them all season long, buries it. Um, good for them. I, I'm happy for uh, the Montreal Canadiens because they haven't had much to cheer about for a lot of years. And Mark Bergevin, who's got a great look going right now, doesn't he? Oh, my God. Oh, the flow is beauty. keep it. Yeah. Uh, he's he's having a fun week as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens await. They change coaches. I mean, they, they've done a lot of things. And, and to get it to this point, good for him. Yeah. And, 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 again, there's also there's always an amount of guessing right, too. Like, oh, yeah. let's see what we get out of this player. Can we squeeze every last drop? Corey Perry. Had a really, really good postseason. Like, he had a pretty decent bubble last year while his last two regular seasons have been fairly under the radar, but he's been very, very good in the playoffs. It's a mix of some young kids we mentioned who are coming into their own and who have come right into the lineup like Cole Caulfield. Yemi's been there a couple of years, but yep. you can see him starting to become the player that 
they thought he would be as an 18-year-old now. You know, he's in his twi early 20s. Nick um, Suzuki. Nick Suzuki uh, playing really well for them. Tatar out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. I mean, so so suddenly some of the vets are being pushed out, but there's other vets there, you know, Shea Weber being there. Um, and, and you take a look at, you mentioned Perry. Uh, Stahl was an acquisition. So you, you all of a sudden it's like, huh, this, this is an interesting mix. They're in transition, but they look seem to be headed in the right direction. An eclectic roster, if it you will. It really is, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the, the Canadians now await the winner of the Colorado-Vegas series, which whoever comes out of this series, you figure Montreal's going to have a very different series than what they've seen thus far in terms of style of play. Very much so. I mean, you have to go back. They were they were down 3-1 against the Leafs. Yeah. So it's not – so they've just won seven straight. <laughs> like, like, seven Sneakily straight somehow? In the playoffs. <laughs> like, well, how did they – like – all was they were like facing a limit. Ten days ago, they were going to be out of the playoffs. Everyone would have said, "Yeah, that's what everyone expected." And they're the first team to move on to to the the final four. Uh, amazing, uh, just amazing. And of course, there's an opportunity for Tampa to advance tonight with a win over yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes. And you know that's been a, f a fun series. Carolina, young and up and coming. Tampa's got just so much firepower, though. It's really hard to withstand. Yeah, it is, and you know they won. It was it uh, three one? So they won the first two games, uh, you know, on the road. Mm -hmm. It's like you know they're kind of doing what you'd expect Tampa to do. Yeah, um, they have experience. They're the defending Stanley Cup champs, and they got Andre Vasilevsky in goal, um, so they can win in a multitude of ways. Uh, whether it's a shootout, like it was uh, the six, you know, six four win, or uh, just stifle it and stymie it and and, and win two to one like they did on the road in the first couple games um, when they only got 16 shots on goal yeah. and they still win. So they, that's, they're formidable, certainly. Yeah, I think a game like Game 4 also shows you one of the tough things is they're just hard to put away. A two-goal two lead in the second period is not safe, and that sounds cliche to say that, but like they're three minutes away from closing any gap at any given time. Yeah, their skill, I mean, Stamkos and Kucherov and everybody else, like, <laughs> I won't down – down there talking about deep but but it's like reading the phone book going oh, through the scores on that team you know and, and again you've got uh you know peter Morazic playing goal for the for, for carolina and, and he's a battler and he's fun to watch but he's pretty leaky and yeah. he's uh he's played a lot of games uh, against the tampa bay lightning with not that much uh success yeah. throughout his career so did, did you think it was i'm not gonna say the right thing because that's not a fair question to ask i suppose but Nedeljkovic was was carrying the the load for the start of the playoffs, and it was a bumpy start to the series. So they went to Morazic. It hasn't fixed the problem. No, it, it, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and Nedeljkovic is is a similar style goaltender to Morazic. Like, what I mean by that is they create a lot of holes in getting to the spaces. Yeah. Um, to make saves, just because of their size and their style, fun to watch. Um, you know, you think of Mark Andre Fleury. But, you know, without the Hall of Fame pedigree, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's like uh, that. those kinds of goals. When they're on, it's fantastic. When they're not, a team like Tampa can, can put up a six-pack on you in a hurry. It's interesting to phrase it that way. When I get the puck, I've got one hole to shoot at. By the time you get across to me, I've got four. Well, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Tampa will try to put a bow on against the Hurricanes tonight. Of course, the Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights have Game 5 tonight at Ball Arena. We'll talk more about that, get you set for Game 5 when we come back to wrap things up on Nighttime at Noon. Brian McCormick, Darren Elliott here with you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
Wrapping things up on this Tuesday afternoon, getting set for Game 5 at Ball Arena between the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. That will be on NBC Sports Network at 6 p.m. for puck drop. And the uh, the official watch party for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at Red Rock Casino at the Red Rock Pool. That will be starting at 5 p.m. prior to the 6 o'clock start. So plenty of ways for you to, uh, to get geared up for VGK playoff hockey. Dak, you've been remarkably silent over there, which makes me feel like no one is using the nighttime at noon hashtag. We got some good questions today, actually. Were, were, you, were you going to raise your hand, or were we just rolling <laughs> along too much? You're going to tell us at 105? Indulge me, please. You guys think <laughs> on it. Just let you do your thing. Um, yeah, one good question. It's actually two questions in one. What do you think the chances are that we will beat the Avalanche? And then if we do, what do you like? how do you like the chances against Montreal? Who's that question from? That's from Melissa on Twitter. Thank you, Melissa. Darren, you're the uh, professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's even series right now. I I, I think there's uh, a better than even chance way the way the two teams are playing right now that that Golden Knights can win this series. Yeah. Against Montreal, um, boy, I have to. There's no tape, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who? Uh, what's your scouting like? I've I've watched them play quite a bit. Um, it, you would think that the, the Golden Knights would be a, a prohibitive favorite, but again, it starts with their confidence in their goaltender, Carey Price, and from there, you can't sleep on them, as a couple teams have found out, because they have that veteran core of guys that know what to do, and they've got some kids that are just, they don't even know what they're doing, but they're having fun doing it, and they're doing it really well. Darren, tell me if you think this is going to be a factor at all, because I've been thinking yeah. about this. We talked about how significant it was when the Vegas Golden Knights had 100% capacity. Oh. I don't know if it shows up on the scoreboard, the difference, but the building, you could feel it. Everyone's commenting on it, players on both sides, the electricity of that building. Yep. Whenever Montreal gets into their next round, they have spent the entire season playing in front of no one until the past week where maybe right. a, th- a thousand, but, right. but nonetheless – for the first time, wherever it is, they're going to be playing in front of, on the road, if it's here, a full building, if it was in Colorado, if they haven't escalated all, probably still 13,000 people. Right. Does that help you? Do you get up for it? Or is that intimidating as all heck? In you know, They're professional players. They've played in front of people before. But it's been a whole year of, of silence for them. I just think it would be phenomenal. Yeah. Road team or not, you're like, this... I remember this. Yeah, that's a that's a pick to you. That's a pick me up I think for that, them. That's, I would think it would be for anybody. You're gonna like that's that's exciting. Yeah. If, you know. Yeah. It, they're against you. Uh, not so much. They're really just for their team. But it's <laughs> but they're hockey fans and it's loud and it's there's a great atmosphere. Um, so I would say that that's. That that's gives juice to both sides. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, games three and four, I couldn't hear myself talk, which <laughs> luckily I wasn't on the air because you know how hard that is when you're talking to the headset. You can't hear what you're saying. That's a dangerous proposition. It's uh, loud. Dak, anything else on the uh, on the wire? Yeah, actually, in regards to like the lack of fans in Canada. Yeah. From Lily, how do the players, if that, if we end up getting that far, how do they transition from? being used to now playing in front of fans and having a crazy environment to now playing in front of 2,000 people? Flip side of the coin and just as valid. Good point. It is really, really good question. Now you got to manufacture the emotion. You're, you're in the semifinal, the Stanley Cup, or whatever we're calling it uh, <laughs> this year, and you've gone from the best atmosphere in maybe all of sports to 
okay, they're cheering for the Montreal Canadiens, but they're not very many people. It's going to seem like silence again. That that would be difficult. Conversely, going back to the full house when you've been playing in front of silence, you know, silent buildings, there is some reality in terms of communication and not being able to hear where it hasn't been an issue for Montreal. Now you're in a place where coaches might not even be able to communicate with their players very easily because of the noise and, and those kinds of things. So there is some reality things, but in terms of the overall atmosphere feeling, I would say, yeah, if, even if you're the road team, you're coming into Vegas, it gets you pumped. And if you're going the other way, again, veteran team, you've got, hey, we've done this before, we've got to do it again uh, and, and make sure we're in the right place mentally, even though it's going to seem silent. And I guess also probably worth asking, are we are we talking about the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs right now if those playoffs were played in a different setting versus the one the vacuum in which Montreal was able to, to harness? Coming back 3-1 in an empty building is probably not as hard as it is in a rockin' building, but I might just be projecting on that. <laughs> you could be, but it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> There's some logic to that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, did it happen? Who was there to witness it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is going to be a, a loud building in Denver tonight, I'm sure, for Game yeah. 5. A building where the Colorado Avalanche, I'm trying to remember, I forget the exact figure, and I apologize for not having it in front of me. I think they're 20-0-1 in their last 21. If, if that's not bang on right, I'm, I'm within a game or two. Uh, despite how good the Vegas Golden Knights are feeling right now and how they're dominating play over the last eight periods, they're still going into a very difficult building. Right. I think they only lost four games are all season. Yeah. And so they're very comfortable at altitude. Uh, which is something to be considered. Um, so you know they're 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 acclimated, their bodies to 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 playing in Denver better than than most teams. So um, yeah, they're 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 a good home team for a lot of reasons. And of course, you know. What's the game plan? Oh, well, let's score in the first minute. Everybody wants that. That's obvious. <laughs> but you know, is is the way we saw the last couple of games? Vegas, you want them to have a great start. They're built well. To have this be a scoreless or a one-goal game for a couple of periods, they they can grind this one out. That's something that they're built to do. Very much so. Another team, you know, Golden Knights. We talk about their puck possession. That's exactly what what they're good at. So as long as you're not spending too much time in your own zone, um, neutral zone into the offensive zone, uh, hang on to the puck. Uh, don't be. Uh, you don't have to be too quick with it to make a play. If it plays there, take it. But, again, grind it out, play a low-scoring game. Um, I, I think they're well-suited for that. And I would like guys like Alex Tuck could have a good – I just see him having a big game for, for, for whatever reason uh, tonight. Um, guys like that that you haven't heard much about, but uh, different situation uh, based on matchups uh, might be – chance for someone like that to do something special let's put ourselves in the hypothetical shoes then because puck drop is just uh, a hair over five hours away darren you played in the, in the nhl you played in big games you've got a must win oh, that's not fair to, it's not a must win game you've got an important game an important game yep. tonight a pivotal game five how are you spending your afternoon what are you doing right now with puck drop five hours away well, as a lifelong backup, I'm probably reading a book. Uh, no, but I, I'm I'm going. <laughs> Me to too. <laughs> um, waiting for the bus. Waiting for the bus to come. No, I, I honestly, it was a lot, a lot of visualization, just getting yourself ready for you know what you think uh, you're going to see, and uh, if I got in there, be ready. <laughs> well, while you're getting ready, 
Food and drink is important. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding travel destinations. As a member of the society, you will have access to an entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. Join for free today by visiting FoleyFoodAndWineSociety.com, FoleyFoodAndWineSociety.com. Darren, great stuff today, as well as Dakota and George. Uh, Darren, enjoy Likewise. Game 5. It's going to be yeah, fun you tonight. Too, man. Enjoy Game 5 tonight, everyone. Puck drops at 6 on NBC Sports Network. Thank you for listening. Dave Gosher and Derek Englin hold the reins for nighttime at noon tomorrow afternoon, so make sure you tune in for that. I'm Brian McCormick. Stay tuned for the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.